Released in December 1978, The Deer Hunter began life in 1975 as a script called The Man Who Came to Play. Set in America's gambling capital, Las Vegas, it concerned a group of men who played Russian roulette for a living. A tough sell to say the least, the script was shown to a young director, Michael Cimino, whose first film, Thunderbolt and Lightfoot, had done good business the year before. Cimino had also written Thunderbolt and Lightfoot, and while he thought the idea of men playing Russian roulette for a living was intriguing, he said the script itself was worthless. So he offered to do a rewrite, or at least come up with a credible reason as to why a man would stake his living on trying to kill himself. With American forces withdrawing from Vietnam in 1975, Cimino fashioned a plot he felt would render plausible such an unusual premise. To him, the Russian roulette idea would serve not only as a linchpin for the drama, but more as a metaphor, an allegory, to explain America's war in Vietnam. Within that single decision resides the film's great strength and its terrible weakness. I'll come to the weakness in a moment, but for now, here are the strengths. Chimino's intention was to present a schema, a series of sequences that would, through subtle repetition, arrive upon an overall point. Lives lost, communities shattered, yet somehow, through the pain and suffering, life goes on. Such a grand theme requires a big canvas, the sort used by Chimino's idols, Japanese director Akira Kurosawa and Italian maestro Luchino Visconti. Just as Kurosawa had done in such films as The Seven Samurai and Throne of Blood and Visconti with Rocco and his brothers and The Leopard, Cimino kept the camera well back from the action. With cinematographer Vilmos Zygmunt, he let events unfold in a naturalistic manner. Scenes were barely scripted but improvised and that left for not dramatic beats, but a large pattern, within which details were not pointed out, but rather woven into the overall tapestry. With an enormous amount of footage filmed by Cimino, it was up to editor Peter Zinner to cut it all into some sort of shape. Zinner had edited the famous baptism sequence in The Godfather, and although Zinner was nominated for that film, it was for The Deer Hunter that he finally and deservedly won his Oscar. Cimino's approach, which also won him an Oscar, was daring because it is a difficult style of direction. It dares to assume the audience is alert enough to notice the details in the wide shot and then recognise and accumulate the subtle repetitions. You know something? The whole thing. It's right here. 
I love this fucking place. <laughs> I know that that sounds crazy, but if anything happens, Mike, don't don't leave me over there. You got you gotta. You just don't leave me. You gotta promise me that, Mike. Hey. Oh man, you got you gotta you gotta promise definitely. Hey, Nikki. Huh? You got it, man. Take that dialogue we just heard and bring it forward to the next scene where all the friends are driving up to the mountains. En route, the car stops, they each get out to answer the call of nature and, pranksters that they are, they drive off, leaving one of their group behind. Of course, they drive back and pick him up, which is just what happens later in the film when Michael returns to Saigon to rescue Nick. Here's another repetition. There is a hell of a lot of drinking in the film. We see the men leave the steel mill and head to a bar where they get drunk. They then attend a wedding and drink some more. They then go hunting and drink again. Several times when they are drinking, a toast is made. And so the drinking is a subtle warning against the tragedies that will ensue. At the beginning, most obviously at the wedding, the people toast one another, and then, as the men go off to Vietnam, those at home toast to their absence and safe return. But slowly, that number gets fewer and fewer, until at the very end, the survivors toast to just one person, and he is now dead. Lives lost, communities shattered, yet somehow through the pain and suffering, life goes on. How's Angela? Not so good, Mike. Worse since uh, she talked to him. Talk to him? Steve? She talked to Steve? I didn't know he was back. Oh, you didn't know he's back? No, I didn't know he's back. Is he back? You, 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 where is he? Where is he? Oh, okay, hey, come John, on, John. Come on. Come on, John. Where is he? Mike, I don't Just know. Just answer me. Where is he? I don't know where Just he is. Just tell me where he I is. I don't know where he is, Mike. As I said, it is a daring and difficult style of direction. Definitely not the Sesame Street school of storytelling, where everything is spelled out and allocated a number. The Deer Hunter works best through such details, and you may think that will be down to the director, Michael Cimino. But most of it is down to the performances. The cast, Robert De Niro, Christopher Walken, John Savage, John Cazal, George Zunza, Meryl Streep and Rotanya Alda are incredible. Each of their characters impacting on one another throughout the story and all working brilliantly as an ensemble. And for that, you would think it was the director's eye for talent. Chimino himself would like you to think so. Here he is in 2003, talking about how he cast Meryl Streep in the movie. I saw Meryl do on three days notice, Breck's Happy End to replace Shirley Knight at the Brooklyn Academy. And then I saw her, I said, Meryl. Now listen to what Meryl Streep had to say in 2009 about how she and the other principals were cast. The Deer Hunter came because Bob De Niro saw me in the Cherry Orchard, where I played Dunyasha, the maid, and that he saw that performance <laughs> and uh, cast me in the Deer Hunter was sort of amazing. Uh, he, he went around and saw lots of theatre that 
that season. He saw Chris Walken, who was in, um, I think, Sweet Bird of Youth, and, and uh, John Savage, who was in the play. <clears throat> and it was early in his career when he first had some, some clout, and uh, he took Michael Cimino around and cast it from the theatre actors in New York. Who to believe? Well, consider this. As the film was about to go on release in 1978, Cimino gave a press interview in which he claimed that the deer hunter was drawn from his own experiences, stating that he had joined the army about the time of the Tet Offensive in 1968, serving in Vietnam as part of a Green Beret medical unit. Michael Cimino never served in Vietnam. What he did was train for six months with the Green Beret Medical Unit in Texas in 1962. <laughs> Every time he comes up, he's got no knife, he's got no jacket, he's got no pants, he's got no boots. Always got that stupid gun he carries around like John Wayne. That ain't gonna help you. Oh, what the hell, Mike? Give him the boots. No way, I ain't giving him no boots. No more, no more, that's it. You're a fucking bastard, you know that? Huh? Stanley, see this? This is this. This ain't something else. This is this. From now on, you're on your own. And therein lies the terrible weakness with the deer hunter. Every now and then we all lie. But it is an exceptional person who does not recognise that to admit to the truth is to accept responsibility. By lying, we refuse it. But most of us accept responsibility because we understand that there are consequences to our actions. Despite its strengths, The Deer Hunter is a reckless film that refuses any consequences to its drama. It is as reckless and as ignorant in its delivery as Chimino was when he claimed to have served in the war. But where Chimino's claim insulted those people who did serve, his film inflicts even greater injury upon an entire nation of people. Take the film's most visceral and problematic moment. Stevie, look at me! Show it! Show me that ball! Show me that ball! Fuck you! One of the reasons why this scene is so visceral is because until then, no American film had shown the abject humiliation and torture of soldiers in a such searing and merciless manner. The extended sequence decimated the dignity of the American men, rendering them as objects to be gambled with, reducing their lives to no more than a few Vietnamese dong. Now, I said American men. That's because of the film's rancid racism. There has never been any evidence presented to even remotely suggest that the Vietnamese subjected American soldiers to Russian roulette. Here is Chimino once again. I do have a buried in my files. I mean, I do have some clippings, press clippings, from newspapers in Singapore that this actually took place during the war. If that is true, 
Chimino is the only person in the world with access to such clippings. No, the Russian roulette idea was, as stated at the start, a transposition. Chimino's metaphor to show us what he thought the war in Vietnam was really about. America's suicide. The thing about using metaphor is that you ride roughshod over the truth of individuals and circumstances. That is the risk of using history as a symbol. Cimino, a middling director who mimics the techniques of masters Visconti and Kurosawa, without understanding their content, compounded that risk of metaphor by going for a naturalistic approach. Naturalism and metaphor aren't easy bedfellows. While naturalism seeks to preserve a person's individuality, character and dignity, metaphor can very easily deny them that. The deer hunter presented the Vietnamese as savages who treated life, all life, as trash and so deserved everything they got in return. Carpet bombing, napalm, the Miele massacre. The deer hunter is not trash but has trash in it and likewise, although it has greatness in it, it is far from a great film.